Welcome to the Farrell's Fit Podcast, where we help you to explore your capacity to move better, push further, and achieve your limitless potential through fitness, nutrition, recovery, and lifestyle. I think people care too much about lifting weights and not a lot enough about conditioning. Yeah. Well, and I recognize <laughs> conditioning is harder, and I recognize that I'm, I'm, this is going to be predictable, right? Like, the skinny guy wants me to run more. Sure, I know that's a big shocker, but here's the thing. The, I, I've found that the biggest deferential, the thing that people really need that's going to make them better at life, the thing that's going to be the least contrived thing that we can put into the gym that makes life easier is conditioning. Hey guys, welcome back to the Pharos Fit Podcast. Uh, good to be back with you guys. I'm here today with Noah David. Hey everybody. You know. Happy to be here. And Brandon. Hey Brandon. What's going on guys? Good to be back. How you doing? <sighs> better. Shoulders feeling great, so... Man, that's something to be excited and happy about. He's a whole new man. Yep. Uh, now, the title for this podcast is Recover From Life. <laughs> we're going to start with that. We're going we're gonna to come full circle and we'll finish with that. But I just want to put that guys in your that, that sentence in your head to start with Recover nice. From Life. That's what me and, me and Noah are going to be kind of talking about in a very roundabout kind of way. Um, the main kind of like topic of the podcast is, is programming, which me and Noah love to, to geek out about. Sometimes it's a uh, massive surprise to the audience. Yeah. So, sometimes <laughs> the other day we will put on some rare speedwagon and we'll just like mm. talk about programming endlessly, gaze into each other's eyes and just talk about programming. It's a beautiful <laughs> thing. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, now, Noah, I, I kind of want to start off with this because the, the course of CrossFit Games has just happened. I know you're a big CrossFit nerd. Who isn't? Um, <laughs> um, how did you find it? What did you think? Did you enjoy it? Um, yeah, I think that's a good question. I think right out of, out of the bat uh, or off the bat, they did a great job of holding a competition during COVID. Right. They gave us what we wanted. Yeah, it was fun to see. It was cool to just see organized sports. Um, the CrossFit Games this year took took uh, part in two halves. So un, unlike in the past where it's been a massive week a weekend event, 13 events, spectators, in and out of the ocean, all kinds of things. This year it was a very pared down version held at uh, the CrossFit Ranch uh, property that's owned by a guy named Dave Castro in Northern California. To get there, you needed to get through an online qualifying. We saw lots of different kinds of events. Obviously, it was only a smaller format. We saw five men and five women, no teams duking it out. Uh, Big surprise, the folks that have been dominant in the past continued to be dominant. Um, But I think my biggest takeaway was how much running has become a priority in CrossFit. Yeah, it was there a lot, yeah. We saw running up a yeah. hill, running like a trail run, all kinds of functionality on two feet. Um, and, this, and this kind of leads me into to my next point. And Brandon, you're going to enjoy this. You know what I really liked about it this year? It was like a return to basics. Like what made CrossFit great in the beginning Absolutely. came around again. So it was just simple stuff. It was just simple hard work grinder type stuff. So yeah, there was yeah. barbells. There was a ton of running. There was like carrying sacks. Yeah. Um, you know, good old-fashioned kind of grunt work workouts that were just fun to watch. I think that the the smaller the contestants actually made it better because it was a lot easier to see like who was in front and who was you know the yeah. of contestants yeah. and that kind of stuff. And it wasn't like highly complex. And we've talked about this a lot when it, mm. when when you talk about relatability. Mm. Like if something becomes too technical and your your audience kind of loses like like unless you're a, like a real crossfit nerd like if you can't appreciate how hard something is it's really hard to relate it's to it 
it's fundamentally meaningless. It's fundamentally like, meaningless. I get that yeah. this is cool, but I have no barometer for how cool it is. But when you see two jack people yeah. running head to head in a race, right, and you know yeah. who's in front, it becomes a lot more interesting. Yeah, I think maybe the best way we can put it is that this year we saw programming that was the least contrived tests of fitness that we could find. Yes, it was. It, a, it was more of a true test of fitness. Right. It, it's not very sports specific it was just can you get this heavy thing from this place to that place who can do it first yes can you move a heavy object can you kick up upside down and run like can you get in and out of a pool fast all of these things that i think a lot of us can relate to really really easily and i think the joke that i always come back to i think it was like bill murray said something about the olympics and that his point was like i think at the olympics especially for the track events there should be a ninth lane around the track and that ninth lane should have a regular dude who's like an it professional and like when the gun goes off you see eight of the best athletes you've ever seen in your life and then a regular guy who's like pretty good at running but you know he also has a beer on the weekends and you're gonna watch that guy get pummeled even by the worst person at the olympics and i think that helps us have a a bit of a yardstick for just how good you have to be just to be a crappy elite athlete yeah that's true that's true and i think so at the crossfit games i think maybe in the future they might include um you know a sixth lane for just an average guy like maybe we could right. just send like i'd go yeah i will be like the extremely <laughs> average crossfitter yeah. who i guess compared to any other guy in a trader joe's is like a relatively fit individual and then you can just watch me just get walloped by even right. the worst guy yeah. at the crossfit games so i think like even even though they had to like change things forced into change basically it actually ended up being better in ways i thought than before yeah absolutely i, mean, I think less grandiose but more fun to watch and you know like a better and actually a better test of fitness and i you know i like the ranch thing i think it's it's cool and it's rustic and it feels like yeah it feels like the it's old endearing. days when you just yeah. used to do it like of course you love the ranch on a fucking field yeah, exactly. of course you love the one on the ranch yeah, yeah of course yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but i think it also maybe brings us back to the idea that the ultimate goal of fitness should be to just make life easier right and if sport right. looks mm. more like the things you do in life um, I think it closes that gap. It becomes more appealing for sure. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Um, I think I think people relate to it a lot more. And I feel like that's one of the things that got me really excited about CrossFit in the very beginning. Yes. It was that that functionality, the capacity to really be pretty good at everything makes it so that when you're out in life, I don't know, maybe your buddy asks you to go play pickup soccer or basketball. Maybe you're not the best guy out there, but you're decent Yeah. because you're just good at life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, it really was like, how does the stuff in the gym transfer to real life? How do I get better at playing with my kids? How do I get better at like carrying shit and all that? Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, like CrossFit felt like that. And I think at a certain point, it gets so far away from that initial premise because obviously things get more technical that you're constantly looking for new things to do. So you get further away from where you started. And, you know, I, I, th- I do think at a certain point, it, it did lose somewhat of its, you know, functional, you know, functional essence of where it started so i think this yeah. was i think we lost back home and it we was, lost it the magic nice. we lost the magic yeah, yeah. i think that the, nice the, the idea that, that crossfit should be constantly varied maybe yeah. ran off with us a little bit right. and it was constantly varied to the point that it was constantly Circus chaotic tricks. yeah right yeah. Yeah. um and i do think that the capacity uh that an athlete has to be athletic upside down i think that's really important yeah. whether you can do an obstacle course blindfolded backwards while actively getting punched in the stomach. I don't know if that's relevant, <laughs> right? Like, um, good should be athletic within reason. Right. And going back right. to that, that point that it should be the least contrived possible test yes. of fitness. Yes. I agree. Now I have an idea. Hmm. Bear with me on this one. Okay, let's go. 
Matt Fraser takes a year off. He's too good. Maybe okay. Tia takes a year off. Maybe not because she's won rock four and Matt's won five. Now, yeah, okay, we're so gonna I, we're I, gonna we're gonna pause for one second and just say for anybody who that you know has a life and doesn't real, realize Matt Fraser and Tia Claire Toomey. Matt's from the U.S. Tia's from Australia. They are the reigning fittest people on earth and have been for the last handful of years. It's made it so that CrossFit is really a game for second place. Exactly, exactly. So these two people, you're talking about Matt Fraser, the yes. undisputed fittest man on earth. Yeah, because exactly. I don't know who these people are. So this is all this yeah, is all good absolutely. news for me. All right, so Matt Fraser, big hairy guy from Vermont, <laughs> formal former mechanical <laughs> engineer, um, pound for pound, the baddest dude to ever not shave his chest. Right. So him, <laughs> great. Um, who, of course, uh, before Matt Fraser, it was it was really all about Rich Froning for a number of years. But I think we can all agree that like Matt has way surpassed Rich Froning as an athlete. Anyway, now we kind of talked about this earlier. Um, if you just have two people that always win something and it stops being competitive, um, it kind of like takes away the interest a little bit because it kind of gets a little bit dull. You know who's going to win, and like you said. Right. You know, it just Where, becomes a race for second place and really who cares about second place. So sure. I think okay. they, they, they almost make Matt Fraser. They're going to have to offer, offer him money to do it probably because he's probably getting paid for his sponsors for, for, a win, for a win. Okay, so Matt gets so cut a check. Say, let's say he gets cut a check says, look, we don't want you to compete this year. Here's a check on the quiet. Mm-hmm. He takes a year off. Someone else comes in, that Madeiras guy maybe, the okay. guy with the mullet. Great. Love that guy. The actual, the unofficial winner of the, the unofficial winner of the is that games. mullet. Sure. Is that mullet. So he comes in, he wins. And then the next year, the big story is the comeback story of Fraser, uh, of uh, Matt Fraser versus Medeiros or Matt Fraser versus whoever it is. That way you have this kind of like, you have a narrative, you have a story. Because right now the story is Matt and Tia are going to win. Who's going to come second? That okay. story, no one cares. So you effect- Now you, you have the comeback story. You effectively reset the clock. You give everybody one more year to try to catch up to his level while he like drinks Mai Tais in a hot tub yes. and he comes back and he eats them all alive. Yes, I mean, he still will, but that will be a more interesting narrative. No, ab- absolutely. And it also gives us fitness nerds the chance to see who's the best of the rest. Like amongst all of the regular human beings, who's the actual fittest? Right. So it's like no one else close at all in the competitions? Nobody like he close. blows and she blows so Let's too. Let's put it this way. So there were... Ooh, I might get this wrong. Fact check me here. I think there were, th- uh, there were like ten or thirteen events. I think there were thirteen events this past weekend. Matt won effectively all of them. So that doesn't mean that he just finished as at uh, the average placement across all of those events was the best. He beat everybody. So the margin between first and second was so big that he basically could have just shown up to the last day of competition. He could have competed all weekend and shown up on Sunday in his pajamas and didn't even cross the finish line and still would have won. Like, it wasn't even close. Same deal on the women's side. Such a dominant performance, such a bulletproof game across all modalities, time domains, and all kinds of nerdy stuff that it really is a race for second place. So if you take those guys out, Mm -hmm. I actually think it makes it fun. So now you actually don't know who's going to win the race before yeah. the gun goes off. Yeah. And so you preserve the magic of like, what, what is, what makes sport exciting? But is it just because they're two ridiculous individuals or they do something different training wise or just, you know, Ooh, they're that, just, well, this is that's a good question. question. Yeah. Yeah. This is like the, I mean, we're going to talk more about this, but you know, is it the program? Is it the mindset? Is it genetics? There's all these things that come into it and it's been incredible to see. I mean, it, you know, 
they, they've both always been great athletes, but mm-hmm. there was a point, and you'll be able to tell me the year, Noah, where I, I think Tia finished second, and did Matt finish second the same year? Was that the year after? That's the first year that Matt won. The first year that Matt won, Tia came second, yes. and then Matt hasn't lost since, and Tia has won every time since. So and that, once they that started, year was 2015. So since, 2015, since they started winning, they've just like, separated from the herd like mm. at an exponential level and it's been how are they doing it like because i i don't believe i i believe all of these top level crossfitters are on a similar program i mean of course there's going to be slight nuances here and there but they're all going to be on a similar program in terms of the amount they lift the amount yeah. of cardio they do like i all think these technical practice i think that's a a really good point i think it maybe we could even say that for all elite athletes within a given sport the actual variation in what their training looks like from one individual to the other is negligible. Right. They're all basically doing the same stuff. Right. So how are they getting so good, Brendan? I don't know because, <laughs> because I think about it the same way when I played professional sports and someone comes to you and I want to be a professional. It's like, all right, you know, there's not much different training. Like you said, another point you see these professional basketball players going to different trainings, pretty much close to the same, but you know, are they switching up their diet? How much is that going to actually separate them and give them an advantage to another athlete? Sure. How much- well, there, there is also the thing of like, so so the Michael Jordan documentary, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. sure. The, the- yeah, everyone's doing the same training, but he's doing the extra stuff. Like he's putting in the hours after training to just keep practicing, keep practicing, keep practicing. He's living his life like dedicated to this one single-minded thing of winning, winning, winning. And maybe it's the same here. Maybe Matt and Tia do everything they can just to be in a winning mindset. They don't doubt themselves. They just fucking yeah. grind at it. Yeah, maybe, the, maybe. maybe. The blindness definitely helps, you know? Like if I'm playing on a sports field or competing at all, like I don't care who you are, what you look like, where we're going against, I'm going to beat you and there's nothing you can do about but it. Gonna, it. And it's like... Again, like I said, the mindset of the training, Michael Jordan just did that. He was just nuts. It was just like, like you said, my life goal is to be a competitor. I don't want anybody to touch me or beat me in anything and even come close. So, But what's incredible is, like Michael Jordan was incredibly skillful at this one sport that he did, right? Basketball. Like he could fucking do everything on yeah. the basketball court. These guys are better than everyone else at everything. <laughs> yeah. Like how is I, that? I think it's... I think it's the head I think it's the head game. Yeah. I think that the two of them have managed to drill down on this idea that they are the best in the world and they reverse engineer all of their practices from there. The thinking being, if I am the best in the world, and so the best in the world wouldn't be taking a rest day. The best in the world doesn't right. isn't gonna have that beer. The best in the world is gonna go to bed at eight thirty and wake up at eight thirty clapping their hands and ready to crush a barbell. Um, I think it's the same thing that could happen. Totally. Across lifestyle, what you eat, how you rest, how you work out, even in a workout. Like, if I'm the best in the world, the best in the world is not resting right now. The best in the world isn't breaking up this set of thrusters. Best in the world is going to stay on these rings and do it all unbroken. And I think that once Matt won, I feel like you could almost see a switch in his head. He was so mad that he was losing. And once he won, he realized how much he liked winning. (laughs) <laughs> and how good it feels to be the best in the world at anything, but especially yeah. at something like CrossFit that is so quantifiable. Like there's no Jordan versus LeBron. It's like I finish faster, my bar was heavier, I beat you fair and square. Right, right. And I think he liked that so much that he wanted to be the best in the world and he's going to continue to be the best in the world. And so I think the whole beauty to the Matt Fraser game is that he he is convinced himself that he is the best 
and so that everything he does yeah i think comes from that i place. think therefore i am i think I i'm think the best therefore, therefore i, I will best. become the best yeah the laser yeah. F- focus consistency like you said just to have it to be on it all the time is the difference maker that you're well, never going to break. And we, saw, and we saw that change in tear as well. That the year when she was like doubtful on camera and then she, she talked Precisely. about it later on how it was, she like watched it back and she hated the way that she presented was, herself. Yeah, and then she, 20, like something 2015, switched. watch the documentary. They yeah. cameras follow her around and she doesn't even want to sign autographs because she's right. self-conscious that if she underperforms, people won't be happy that she signed their shirt. Right. And then the next year she comes back, like you said, a little embarrassed about that mindset but now feeling like she's like a tiger in a cage. Right. Like she feels, frankly, like a grown-ass person ready yeah. to do her business. Yeah. Yeah. Like That's... she's on that competition floor to show all those girls that they're working out with her yeah. and not the other <laughs> way around. I remember like watching that documentary and then seeing her at the Olympics when she she won gold, right? In, uh, she went to the Olympics. So 20, I think it was, so it was 2016, she went to the CrossFit Games and then a few weeks later she packed her bags and she went to Rio. I think even the year previous, I think she medaled at the Commonwealth Games. Right. I'm not right, sure. Right. I can't remember her her Rio performance off the top of my head, but just the sheer fact that she could perform at an elite level as a CrossFitter, yeah. where she's expected to do a number of things and then be able to be an Olympian representing the whole country of Australia. Well, it's like more more than her like even winning the medal, like just watching her come out and like the, the look on her face and how like intense she was, and then the the way she executed it was like, oh my god, it was like fire it's incredible absolutely she was jacked like yeah absolutely the, the switch was flipped she looked she looked dominant she was menacing menacing so yeah i think maybe circling back to this idea of programming i don't think it was the programming i think at the highest level all of the programming is the same i think the greatest adaptation that we have to consider here is that which happens between the ears yeah i agree i agree now i have another question for you brendan fraser is the best crossfit athlete of all time okay Froning is the most popular CrossFit athlete of all time, I would argue. Why would you think that is? And this is the other guy who used to be the best? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's probably just got that that age with him, you know? He's been with it, you know? You can relatable guy that's been with the program forever. Ooh, that's a good point. You know, the guy that's just like, oh, that's CrossFit. The pioneer. Right there. The pioneer. Like, you look at CrossFit, you think this guy. Yeah, you got this guy who's paving the way and just taking everything over now. It's like, oh man, that's that's CrossFit use name recognition, brand recognition. Interesting. That guy, and I never seen this, and I don't know this person, but no, I think it's, this is a, a well-made point. Because yeah. I was gonna say, <laughs> it's because Rich Froning looks like an all-American action hero. He looks like all men want to look like. But what about that chest hair about on the new guy? That's yeah. the point. Here, this is exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Matt, Matt is the Vermonster. And here's the debate. He, all he cares about is how well he Vermonster. can move the barbell. He doesn't care whether you like his chest hair or not. That's not where his emphasis is. Rich has been manscaped for the last 15 years. Yeah, he's got great pecs. Uh, and he's you, got can't, great you can't deny. Um, he, yeah, he looks like a male model, but he also happens to f- move like an elite athlete. Right. He's the he whole package. That, he had that dream package. He had the big package. <laughs> sure. Um. Yeah, I, but I think the relatability too. I think that's a really good point. Um, this whole killer instinct, ice water in your veins, you're gonna win at all costs thing, also means that you're not gonna make a lot of friends along the way. And the thing that always I think was so heartening, especially at the beginning, where CrossFit was still still interesting to people and still novel, 
Rich was like the football player. He was like the captain of the football team. He got the yeah. high fives and the low fives. He was hanging out with his buddies. He, like he always had like a piece of cold pizza hanging out of his face. Like he didn't really seem to care. He just wanted to have fun. Right. And you wanted to have fun with him. Yeah. Um, Matt is an assassin. Uh, and so I think maybe if there's a divergence there, the reason why like Mr. Rich Froning Jr. is always going to be everybody's favorite is because he's an extremely likable guy and he wants to be your friend. Right. And Matt wants to win. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, and then and then that brings into the it brings us into the inter- interesting argument between like aesthetics and performance because when you're talking about the the image of athletes and what I mean, sport is is a business at the end of the day, and sport sure. needs to sell, sport needs to make money, and someone like Rich Froning comes along and he can make a sport a lot of money because, like I said, he looks like people want to look like, and he does all this cool stuff, and you're like, my God, this is uh, people are drawn to him. Um, and we've we've always kind of had this like this like ongoing battle between like not even battle but you know this difference between like bodybuilding and CrossFit and functional fitness versus like aesthetic fitness and like training to look good versus training to perform and that kind of thing, and like Rich Froning and Dan Bailey, mm-hmm. those guys like they were able to like appeal to both, whereas people like Matt, like not so much. Like he'll appeal to like performance driven people and athletes and um you know people care about how much weight you can shift but when you're talking about purely physical appearance when you look at someone like on instagram or whatever it is like someone like froning is a more appealing physique and therefore will sell more product or absolutely that kind of stuff so yeah i think froning has even said it like he's like as soon as i retire like i'm just gonna go to the gym and look great right i think he's aware of it too right oh yeah he must be which is i think a really hilarious point that these guys that like train their knuckles bloody also have to stomach the reality that there's like a couple thousand dudes on instagram that look a lot better than they do i said like if you were to go to the crossfit if you go to the crossfit games and like you look at the guys that are on the top five like, and then you take five people out of the stands, like just spectators who are just CrossFit meatheads and ask them to take off their hands or their hands, take off their shirts. <laughs> you couldn't tell the difference. Like they all look pretty much the same. Right. So it's very curious. The athletes don't really look like athletes. Right. I guess maybe the difference isn't that big. It's not that noticeable. The guys right. that move like superheroes don't necessarily look like superheroes. Right. Because it's not their job to look good. Yeah. It's right. their job to it's be job to good. Yeah. It's their job to be good. Right. Yeah. But it's, um, you know, it's something, and when um, we're kind of coming back to, to Pharos here, when, when, we, when we program at, at Pharos, of course, we're very aware of those two things because most people want both, right? If, if we're honest with ourselves, most people want to look better and they want to feel better and perform better. They want to move well, they want mobility, um, and they want to do great things and look good while they're doing it. Absolutely. Um, so we have to program here with all those elements in mind. So whether it was the the build program or the compete program to some degree or the new hybrid programming, it's always been that marriage between, you know, people at the end of the day, most people want to lose some fat, gain a little bit of muscle, um, but, you know, feel good and, and, you know, perform well and perform well. Sure. So it's, it's that, it's that, that always, you're always kind of like wrestling between those two, um, not extremes, but those two elements. And it's like, we have to sit sort of squarely in the spectrum. Yeah. yeah, I think one of the things that I'm, I'm really proud of that, that Ferris has implemented is a really elegant marriage of sort of two schools of thought. Maybe we'll define nerdy terms here and go from there. And that is, well, maybe we'll start here. A human being, no matter who they are, has an, a finite number of, a finite amount of energy, right? So if you're going to come to the gym, there's only so much gas in the tank. Right. So what, 
where are you going to put your energy? Are you going to do a strength piece first? Is that what you really care about? Or are you going to do a conditioning piece first? Do we care about getting really strong or do we care about our capacity to move oxygen around or aerobic capacity? So from there is born two ideas. We have strength-based programming. That's my energy is going to get put into lifting heavy things. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have conditioning bias programming. I care about how well or how fast I can move. That's where my energy is. Obviously, I'm going to do some cocktail of both. I yeah. have to. That's what movement is. Yeah. But where, what What's basket am I putting my eggs into? Yeah. I think what we've done really well in this hybrid model is do both. Right. Some days our emphasis is heavy weights and the conditioning is compromised as a result. Sometimes the conditioning is really where our energy is and the weightlifting gets compromised as a result. So the answer is, do you do lifting or is it a cardio class? The answer is yes, it has to be both, but it sits squarely in this narrative. Um, and I think that's the only way that you can strike the balance right. is to program a balance. Yeah. The thing though, that doesn't get me a lot of friends and has me convincing <laughs> a lot of people is the fact that I think people care too much about lifting weights and not a lot enough about conditioning. Right. Well, and conditioning I recognize conditioning is harder. <laughs> and I recognize that I'm, I'm, this is going to be predictable, right? Like the skinny guy wants me to run more. Sure. I know that's a big shocker, but here's the thing. The, I, I've found that the biggest deferential, the thing that people really need that's going to make them better at life. The thing that's going to be the least contrived thing that we can put into the gym that makes life easier is conditioning. And it's not that I want you to be able to get up a flight of stairs when the elevator is broken faster or maybe not sweat through your t-shirt when you get to the fifth landing. What I care about is your capacity to recover. Right. So your conditioning, mm. your capacity, your body's ability to move or to use oxygen and move it around your body, that's not just how fast can you run a mile. It's how much of a big day can you take, go to bed, and wake up feeling good. That's the ultimate and the greatest consequence of good conditioning. Yeah. So the way that I always try to sort of pitch it to our members or help them maybe stomach the reality that I'm going to make them run 30-minute intervals or something like horrible like that that they know is going to be hard is the idea that it's not just conditioning for conditioning's sake. It's conditioning to make you an athlete that can recover better and ultimately a more formidable individual that can recover from life. Exactly. Now, you see me take it all the way back. Yeah, I, I saw yeah. that. That was great. <laughs> Thank um, so, so basically, it's it's like I draw the analogy of like I come into work, I find someone vandalizing our car park, mm -hmm. I chase them off the property. Of course you do. I come back, I recover mm -hmm. quickly. I can still 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 teach a class, no problem. Shake it off. I, I recovered from life. Right. But we've also done enough uh, strength and hypertrophy work that you, um, you know, once you find this guy, he sees what you look like with your cutoff T-shirt. And clearly the wallet goes right back into your pocket. You know, no problem. Done. Now, one of the, you know, one of the most important things is that we maintain um, a good amount of muscle tissue on our skeleton as we grow older is going to, you know, keep us metabolically healthy. It's going to keep our, our structure strong, um, our posture strong as we age. Where does that fit into this, you know, this conditioning bias that you're talking about? Yeah, that's a great question. So maybe we define where, where there's, what conditions led to lots of gyms doing strength bias, uh, strength bias programming. Maybe we sort of rewind the clock here and we think yeah. about going back to CrossFit for a second. Early days, um, Greg Glassman let uh, his uh, 
his his memory. Uh, anyway, he's had a very complicated PR year. Greg Glassman, for whatever complicated opinions he might have and strong personal work he might have to do on his own end, was a pretty smart guy. He decided that he was going to basically program for competitive athletes and then scale everything back therein so that basically the the variation that might exist between somebody who was like a D1 athlete and your weekend warriors and your soccer moms, the variation in those workouts would vary in degree, not in kind. Everybody would back squat, but it would be a different form, a slightly different format and obviously different weights. Everybody was going to do rowing intervals, but they're going to look a little bit differently. The point here is that everybody's going to back squat and everybody's going to do rowing intervals. The thing, the exercise that I need and that my 91 year old grandfather needs, they're basically the same. We're just along a sort of gradient. But that meant that there was a lot of workouts that these people, we thought that people needed to be doing that they couldn't do. They couldn't lift the barbells because they were too heavy. They couldn't do the gymnastics movements. And so that we started doing all of the strength work at the beginning to get people stronger because we wanted them to do the workouts the way the athletes were doing the workouts. Which is a cool idea in theory, right? We want everybody to get really jacked. People got excited. They wanted to throw around barbells. It's fun, right? But what's really the merit of that? do we really need to get people really strong? And I think the answer is yes, to a degree. Right. I think that we need to be strong enough, like you said, to be able to age gracefully, to be able to still have function deep into our 90s, right? Like you still want to be able to play soccer with your grandkids and chase the blondes around the golf course. But do you still need to be able to bench 315 in your 60s? I think no. I think you just need to have enough to be, frankly, just robust enough to resist injury. So that yeah. when you take a spill, maybe your dog yanks on the leash. I want to have enough shoulder muscles on your frame that that doesn't make you rip a rotator cuff. You right. just go, oh, ouch, well, and then I, you go on I with do, the walk. I do think there is something in, you know, when you're programming for pure strength and you're programming in that like 80 to 100% range, Sure. I'm, I'm trying to just get purely stronger. I'm not really concerned so much with building muscle mass. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what dominates like, crossfit programming right because right. the goal is to get stronger get more powerful not necessarily uh, get bigger now the hybrid program because we are like obviously outside because of covid we haven't got like heavy barbell stuff like that we're using dumbbells um we're lighter being, weights being resourceful being resourceful obviously the, you know the rep scheme goes up and the weight comes down so now you're in that you know more hypertrophic uh, rep scheme uh, reps and set scheme which is kind of like what the build program always was and I, I would probably argue that for most people with what we're talking about, that probably is a more use, useful rep and set scheme to be in. Mm. Because to most people, again, holding onto muscle mass and building muscle tissue is at a certain point more valuable than pure strength. Because it kind of like gives you, a, gives you, it gives you some strength, it gives you some muscle tissue, and it doesn't present a lot of risk. Whereas of course, Absolutely. Heavy lifting will be great for your central nervous system. Uh, great to a certain degree for your, your But the your risk is high, right? The risk is high. The incidence of injury goes up. And maybe the, the reality that we also need to consider is that the quantity of really heavy weights that a person is going to encounter in their life outside of the gym are probably pretty low. Right. We probably just need to get our members very good at picking up the heaviest, biggest bag of dog food, right? <laughs> right. Which is what? Maybe 60 pounds? Yeah. Cool. So... Maybe you don't need to be able to throw our 150 pound D balls around like they're a paperclip. We just have to get really good at the 60 pound one. Right. Mm. So let's talk about dream scenario. We can open 2021. We're back to Pharos at full capacity. We so at the 
point of closing, I believe we had 12 or 13 programs running concurrently. Um, we will have something similar um, moving forward. Um, this hybrid program that we've had going uh, throughout COVID will, will continue in, in some fashion. Um, where do you kind of see all of these things fitting together? Uh, we'll, we'll bring back our Compete, obviously, which is our CrossFit-esque program. Um, so we'll have our CrossFit, we'll have our Build, our Hybrid, all those things going on. Um, where do you see all these things fitting together and who would you send to which kind of class? Would you would you would you t- take our you know fifty year old member who just wants to get fit and say you know what you probably should come to compete, or would you say you know this one isn't for you let's stick to hybrid, or do you think there is a place for all of these people across all these programs to some degree if we scale and if we do all these things? Yeah, what a great question. The thing that I I fell in love with at Pharaohs from the very beginning was that there was sort of a place for everybody. Yeah. So. What I love about the multiplicity of programs is that whatever background you might have and whatever your intention might be going forward, there's a little niche for you. Um, That being said, everybody is welcome everywhere. And I don't mean that as a cop-out answer, but I mean that the folks that are really interested in doing a muscle-up and they've never really seen a pair of gymnastics ring before in real life um, have come to the right place. Yes. This is the place where you will learn. This is movement school. Um, I (laughs) I get so excited about that. Um, Yeah. All I want to do is teach a muscle up to somebody that wants to do a muscle up. Uh, I'm not. I'm not interested in twisting anybody's arm to do to do that kind of stuff, right? Like I am. I get really inspired by the people that are inspired to move. Right. So I guess my my short answer is, I hope that person tests broadly, um, experiments extensively, and finds the things that they love to do. Yes. Because likely we will have programmed enough variety into each one of those twelve or thirteen discrete programs to capture the whole gamut of conditioning biased or strength biased we will have built them to be robust and stand alone enough as they are yeah to be able to just take one but if they want to try it all out and see what fits best for them and gets them excited to come to pharaohs fantastic because that's 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 really key it's the best program for you is the one that makes you show up day in day out because the moment you get bored, the moment you're not enjoying it anymore, the moment you're like lying in bed thinking, oh, got to go to the gym. Sure. Like it's kind of over. Even beyond so, anec- anecdotally, there's been um, exercise physiology data that's shown us that one of the greatest indicators of athletic performance, even at the highest uh, ends of competitiveness, is how good an athlete feels about their training. Right. That means even at the Olympics, like we can tell whether Us- Usain Bolt is going to uh, set a world record or not based just on how excited he is to lace up his spikes. You have to love it. Otherwise, frankly, you just won't do it. And that's not a commentary on your particular moral constitution. Mm. That just means you're a human being. Nobody will do things they don't like to do. If you love it, you'll make time for it. If you love it, you will do it every day. Yeah. I mean, I, I was having this conversation earlier with uh, uh, a couple of friends and I'm saying like, you know, I, I know that I kind of like look best and probably like perform best if I'm doing like bodybuilding type workouts and a ton of sprints and then some like... Uh, uh, long distance cardio type stuff. Mm-hmm. However, however, I cannot avoid the thrill of jumping into a CrossFit style workout with a couple of buddies and just fucking going at it. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's the truth. It's just fun. Um, it's exciting. It gets me like pumped to like you know challenge it's, myself to to to, there's, to there's a, against others. Yeah, there's it's, a reason this thing took off, fun. right? Yeah. It's really fun. Yeah, and every now and then life is hard. You kind of need to let off some steam. Right. And um, 
why not get in a very constructive fistfight? Because at a certain point, it goes beyond the science. It's a psychological thing, a desire, a need. We need a release and ultimately um, do the fun stuff. Do the fun stuff. Yeah. Do what makes you happy. Do what makes you happy. Yeah, because I guess like at the end of the day, like 2020 is like a prime example of this. Life is tough. Life throws you a ton of shit. But um, I think we, we have to do the things that make us happy and, and bring us joy and get us excited um, because those are the things that help us recover from life. Oh, you mean like from a, a psychological from perspective? A psychological perspective. So beyond, beyond what the programming does to make you recover physiologically, yeah, I think that's a really great point. Um, I think that which happens at, at the gym is, is equivalently psychological, right? Yeah. Um, I think yeah, and what a, what a cool thing, right? Like that, yeah. that, that what happens at Pharaoh's, um, yeah, it's good for the body, but between the ears too, it's a place where you can let off some steam. Um, it's the place where you get the high fives and the low fives. Your friends are waiting for you. Um, the REO Speedwagon is playing. Um, it's true. And that true. hopefully when, you know, the clock is off and you're like, t-shirt is sweaty and you're ready to go home, like it's... It was, a, it was a good day. Like yeah. we, we moved the needle I mean, in the right direction. Honestly, pe- people like write to me or they, they come and speak to me all the time and they, you know, you know, they love the workout and all that kind of stuff. But the real, the real thing that has made me the happiest is people coming up and saying, I needed this. Thank you. Like it's been that like, you know, the, these times are hard. And right. It's like, we, I, this is the one thing in my day that brings me any like release, joy, communion, like, you know all these things that like stimulate us and, and and that we need we need social interaction um it's not just it's not just fitness oh, completely the there's more of us than there's ever been people wise except we're sometimes the most alone yes that we've ever been and we have yeah. no place to connect in the place 100%. like your guys here yeah, yeah. I, there is that opportunity not sure. just by getting the good stuff yeah, physically yeah. breaking a sweat absolutely exercising but I, saying, the people yeah the, the longer i do this the more i realize that it has disturbingly little to do with fitness <laughs> it's, it's true and i'm really i'm really proud of that like yeah. that's the thing that actually gets me out of bed in the morning at 5 a.m to go train like i i i've realized that the training is sort of an artifact right mm-hmm. that being said we care deeply and fundamentally about the training too right i think we obsess yeah. about it we discuss it over and over again what we turn about. it upside down and try to make it fun and interesting and deeply effective yeah all the while knowing that it's really just secondary to the the magic that happens when you get people together. Right. It's it's a mental health operation basically. I mean the the like you said the the physical side of it is almost like a it's almost like a side note. It's almost like a you know, it's the it's, it's an excuse. It's an excuse. Yeah, it's, yeah. And it's the catalyst for and it's the right. you know, it's the thing that enables us to improve people, people's mental health. It's the, it's the thing that we can offer to improve people's like life day, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, I think in, in that way, it's it's sort of a, a uh, it's a life raft. It's a life raft, yeah. In two very, very tangible ways. Yeah. It brings us together, especially in moments where we feel desperately far apart. And at the same time, when we really, really need to focus on metabolic health and all of the, right. improving all of our markers and just being formidable people, yeah. it moves the needle in the right direction too. Yeah, and I think that's been the hardest thing. Like when, when gyms were not deemed an essential service, it's, it's just it's just so, you know, social side. It's, it's not really considering what gyms are or what you know what good gyms are. It, it's not just about the fitness. It's it's a real 
it's a real stimulus for people that they need to to get through the day and stay you know stay alive and stay vital and stay you know stay sane um so yeah i'm i'm you know i i'm very excited about continuing to be able to offer that uh, it's a real privilege to be able to offer that you know to to, to help people's that Absolutely. health long term um and, and to get people about excited about getting up in the morning or you know if you can yeah. you know we always say we want to be the the best part of other people's day and you know i, I sure. want to continue that mission uh, throughout 2021 as much as we can and you know i'm really excited i'm, I'm excited that you're here obviously now because <laughs> you bring a, you bring a, a a very powerful and um a powerful energy but a, you know an, an intellect that 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 is both refreshing and you know exciting to be around oh thanks and um you know obviously you're going to be a big part of the the, the programming and the yeah. You know, the class is moving forward, so I'm, I'm really excited that. for 20 to, uh, 2021 to, to happen. Uh, you know, as bad as 2020 has been, it has taught us a lot, and I think, yeah. um, you know, stuff that's going to be really useful for us in, in, in 2021. I think, though, um, if I can interrupt, though, I think, while well, we think we have really big dreams for 21, I still think there's, there's lots to do in yeah. 2020. And what I mean by that is, I mean, even from just discussing a programming perspective, the fact that we don't have this beautiful gym to have people in the fact that we have to paint with fewer colors if you will when it comes to the programming means we have to get more creative it means that you and i look at each other on wednesdays and are like okay well what else can we do with a dumbbell that keeps people excited um, right. it frankly makes me have to think harder mm. uh, about mechanics and think more deeply and about the significance of training like why do we do a devil's press what is the point what how yeah. do we construct a workout that is elegant and effective but not overly complicated or contrived and how do we do it knowing that we've done 19 other things that are similar how do we make right. it different enough right. so actually uh thinking about this idea of that like pressure is a privilege and particularly about programming like we're discussing today while we're still outside i'm grateful for the opportunity to try to build really bulletproof po programming yeah. if we're just going to think about the physiological part of this life raft um i think there's a lot that we can do that's very creative um and that pushes us to be better at what we do yeah i agree I agree. All right, we'll leave you there, guys. Uh, Brandon, thanks for coming in, my man. Appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you. No, Pleasure thanks so much, dude. That was Pleasure's awesome. all mine. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Um, we'll be back soon. Uh, don't forget to check us out on Instagram at, at Barros Echo Park. Uh, come by and see us. 1316 Glendale Boulevard. Always good to see you guys. Uh, we are doing drop-ins outside. Uh, and we do have memberships still available. But um, we'll look forward to catching you soon. Take care, all. Bye. Bye.